0: All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. I'm the lead Nuggets analyst over at Mile High Sports now. That's that's going to take some getting used to. And I am here to discuss what was a very eventful presser from Josh Kroenke, governor governor of the Nuggets and he was very quick to remind me when I uh, when I accidentally called him the owner. He is the governor of the Nuggets and Stan Kroenke is really the owner here. Uh, This was an important event, I think, for Josh Kroenke and also for the Nuggets franchise. And I'm very interested to hear what your reactions are to this presser and what you're thinking. But uh, for now, I want to discuss what is going on with the Nuggets, what Josh Kroenke said today that should be exciting for Nuggets fans, that should be uh, upsetting for Nuggets fans. This isn't going to be a long podcast. This is probably, I'm, I'm guessing, going to be about 25, 30 minutes or so. I'm just going to go straight through. We're going to talk about some of the answers. I wrote an article on Mile High Sports that was, that's a little bit more detailed. You can check that out and sort of my takes on this from a different perspective. But for now, I just kind of want to take you through the order of operations that went down with the Josh Kroenke presser. He began things with an opening statement, and the general tenor of this was that he was not super pleased. He was sort of upset with how things had gone, and, and obviously he said he was happy for Tim, said he was happy that he got this opportunity, and Tim told him that if there there was equity present here, that it was just an opportunity that he had to explore. Josh Cronky said, okay, and there are some parts of that that I'm sure are going to upset Nuggets fans, I think a lot of Nuggets fans would like Josh Kroenke to explore that equity part of things. It's not really Josh's call, though. This is this is Stan Kroenke's call. This is Ann Walton's call. Uh, everybody that's, that's kind of up elevated over Josh, which is what it is. Um, but he wasn't super pleased with things and then kind of was on the defensive for much of this presser. And I think it was because I was in the room, uh, Mike Singer, Matt Moore, uh, Brendan Vogt, Duvalier Johnson, everybody was asking good questions, I think, trying to press him on certain topics and make sure that he answered certain questions on the altitude dispute, on Jim McConnelly, on the, the practice facility, things like that. And Josh was on the defensive for much of it. He was out there doing his best to field all of these questions and there were some things that he could say plainly some things that he sort of had to use coded language for i do appreciate that he went out in front of the press that he put himself into a vulnerable into a vulnerable position saying that he could answer some of these questions for people and that was great that was a good sign that that he's willing to kind of answer for some of these things he wasn't pleased with the Timberwolves. I think that was pretty clear. He, he had multiple comments that were kind of dissing them. He talked about it like they they came in through the side door, basically, and talking to Tim Connolly, trying to steal him away from Denver. And I'm not surprised that he's upset about this. He and Tim, they ha- he has a relationship with Tim. Those guys are very close. Tim and Josh, they've been together for nine years and known each other for longer, for, longer than that. So I'm not surprised that he was a little upset, but he also regrets the order of operations and how things went down. And He sort of explained this, that back in 2019, when Tim was initially courted by the Washington Wizards, he was given a five-year contract offer from Washington. And Tim and, and Josh, they met, and Josh said, okay, well, we can match five years if that's the, if that's the goal and what Denver actually did. So they didn't actually match the full money back at that time that Washington was offering. So they didn't match the full contract, but they gave him uh bonuses and potential accelerators or whatever it's called that if you if you meet certain requirements then you get more money, meet certain bonuses. And so it would have had the opportunity to kind of match or exceed the Washington contract. So that was that was interesting to hear. But it was a five-year deal with a potential opt-out after three years, which 2019, it's now 2022, so he was in that opt-out phase. And I'm kind of get to this point where, despite the fact that they had initially agreed to a five-year deal, despite the fact that the end of the year, 2021-22, was, was at that point, it wasn't imminent, I would say, I really do think the Nuggets lost Tim Connelly because they weren't proactive with him, because they weren't trying to lock him up and make sure that he was attached to the Nuggets organization for the foreseeable future to see this thing through. The Minnesota Timberwolves were able to get into the door, through the side door, basically, because of that option, because of that opportunity that Josh Kroenke left open, that Tim Connolly left open. And uh, credit to Tim, he was put into a situation where the last three years, he's seen a two-time MVP, as well as a Western Conference Finals appearance when the team was healthy. So he's shown the success, and he's built a contender. And another team fully acknowledged that and was willing to pay him a whole bunch of money because of it. Josh regrets the order of operations. He regrets that, uh, I, I, if I had to guess, he would have offered Tim an extension if he knew that an offer with equity was going to come. And so it did come. And then ownership was, let's just say a little bit tepid, a little, not not tepid. They were kind of allergic to the idea of throwing around equity into the conversation of saying, hey, Tim, you can, uh, Have some sort of equity, some sort of stake, some sort of bonus within the organization. And they were going to keep the terms purely uh, legitimate, not legitimate, purely financial, very standard for what's going on. And Minnesota got creative. They found a way to pay Tim a whole bunch of money and lure him away from Denver in a way that the Nuggets were just not willing to match. And I kind of explained this in my article a little bit more. The reason why they were not able to match on top of being, uh, like, that's just not their business model. It's just not something they're willing to do. It's just the fact that this is KSE. This isn't just the Nuggets. This isn't just uh, one building. This is the Avalanche in the same building, the Colorado Rapids. This is Arsenal. This is the LA Rams, the Colorado Mammoth, apparently. A lot of entities are owned by KSE. And the moment that Tim Connolly requests equity or some sort of form of equity that was apparently very ambiguous to Josh Kroenke as much as it's ambiguous to the rest of us. Uh, Tim, if he had gotten equity in this deal, then let's just say Joe Sackick of the Avs. Let's say he requests equity in his next contract extension or else he is gone. Or let's say it's Sean McVeigh of the LA Rams. He's done a fantastic job, obviously, as the coach of that team. If he wants equity in the franchise, that is going to be a new negotiating tactic because Tim Connolly got it. And Tim Connolly hasn't won a title. Most of the owner, most of the executives that have won a title, or not won a title, most of the executives that have equity have won a title before. And so it would be very odd... For Tim to get it. And the, the T-Wolves were willing to do it. Should the Nuggets have been willing to do it? I don't know. I'm not Tim. I'm not Josh. I can't really say for sure. But it does seem like the Nuggets have been preparing for this moment. Based off of everything that was said, based off of everything that was going on, the Nuggets have been lining up for this and knowing that this was something that could happen ever since 2013. Ever since... They initially hired on Tim Connolly. Back then, uh, Josh basically promised to himself and then internally with KSE that the next time that they add somebody to lead the team, they're also going to add a number two. Somebody who's willing and able to take over just in case something like the Masai Ujiri thing happened again. Where another team gave an offer that the Nuggets were willing to let go. And then they could just promote somebody that they feel very comfortable with. Initially, that was Arturis Karnasovis, And Arturis was kind of overqualified to be an assistant or a second in command to Tim Connolly for at least a couple of years. Like he was definitely ready and he, he stuck around and kind of rejected. I think the Brooklyn Nets at one point offered him a position. He waited around, and finally the Chicago Bulls offered him money and offered him a deal, and he accepted what is a really good opportunity there. And so they, uh, they ultimately upgraded Calvin Booth from the assistant GM to the GM position, and he was the new number two in the chair ever since 2020. Calvin had been around with the team since 2017, had been very familiar with everything that was going on had been in the room for most every decision that Tim Connolly has ever made in his life from a, a, a draft and free agency war room perspective. So he's been around, and Calvin is a guy that Josh is very comfortable with, that the Nuggets as, as an organization are very comfortable with. So they let Tim Connolly go. And I think that that's sort of the model. It's what they're running with. It's what they believe in. They believe... That the next guy that they hire every single time is going to be a, a person that as long as they empower that person, as long as they put them in a chance to succeed, that that person will succeed. And they've had this happen across all of their franchises, whether it's the Rams, whether it's the Avs, whether it's the Nuggets. They've had this happen and they've cycled through people and they've continued to hire really smart people, really good people at their jobs. And they haven't necessarily overpriced what that person should be worth. And so that's pretty interesting to me. I think that's a, that's an interesting negotiating tactic. It's an interesting structural decision. And Nuggets fans can agree with it or they can't. I don't agree with it. I think that if you have a guy like Tim who you feel very comfortable with in a situation right now where the organization is at its most important moment – where you have to get this summer right, where you have to do everything correctly. You don't necessarily want to move on in the midst of that. You want to do everything that you can to stabilize, to make sure that everybody's making the proper decisions. And I just, I I think it's odd that they let Tim Connolly go in the midst of that, if the goal is to, in fact, win a championship. They believe that the cost that Tim Connolly was going to have to to retain him wasn't worth the price in terms of winning a title. They didn't think that he was as important as that value represented. I think that's pretty clear based off of what's been said publicly, based off of how these conversations have gone. And that's fine. That is well within their prerogative. And maybe Calvin Booth is better in this situation than Tim Connolly is. It wouldn't surprise me if he was. But it is just pretty straightforward. That seems, it seems like where we're at on the altitude front, uh, Tim or Josh basically said nothing. He, he said that this is a really tough thing for what they've had to go through, that things aren't really like they're in the middle of litigation right now. And he sympathizes with Nuggets fans and, and whatnots. But I just don't know whether Nuggets fans can really expect this thing to be solved. The NESN deal was brought up as a potential bypass opportunity that you could have for a streaming service. NESN is the – they are the uh, broadcaster for the Boston Red Sox and, and some of the Boston teams. And what was brought up was that, okay, Comcast is the one that distributes NESN, even on the streaming service. So it's not necessarily something that they could work with with Comcast in order to come up with a, a different solution because they still have to go through Comcast in that circumstance with a streaming service. Now, I don't know all of the details. I, I wasn't paying attention as much during that portion of it. I had my own questions that I wanted to ask that were not related to the TV dispute. But I do think that the TV dispute is important to a lot of people. And we're at this position now with this dispute where it's been three years And I don't think that Nuggets fans can really expect this thing to be solved anytime soon. Ownership has not given any reason for it to be solved. Josh didn't dispel any rumors on that front. Uh, The litigation is not something like it would have been a great opportunity for him to come out and say, hey, look, we're going to do everything that we can to uh, put the Nuggets back on TV. And he kind of said that. But he also said, "Look, a lot of the fault lies with Comcast too, and that they aren't going to accept a deal that puts them in a worse position than they already are." And that's too bad. That's uh, that's too bad. I'm I'm not sure why it's a worse position. I'm not sure, like because they're they're losing tens of millions of dollars right now between the Nuggets and the Avalanche on the the broadcasting front because they're they're producing all of this themselves. They're not getting that bonus money from Comcast. So, I don't know. I don't know what's up. I'm, I'm surprised that this thing hasn't been solved by now, but I'm also not surprised because this is uh, it's just how the business works, apparently. He did commit, however, to a practice facility. This is one thing that I think people are, are going to be excited about. I've talked about this ad nauseum over the course of this last month. The Nuggets are one of the only two teams in the NBA that do not have a practice facility that's dedicated to them. It's the Houston Rockets and it's the Denver Nuggets. And I think that this is a big deal. I think that if you are a free agent or a rookie that is hoping to be drafted into a specific organization, you want all the bells and whistles that you can get. You want the experience of being a professional. And if you walk into one practice facility and are kind of disappointed because it looks like your high school gym versus another practice facility where you're going to spend your entire rookie contract at least maybe maybe seven, eight, nine years of your life, you're going to want that to be a positive experience. And that's not the only thing, don't get me wrong, but it is something. It's definitely something that people think about. So, The fact that he did say that they are committed to a practice facility, it it wasn't like, it wasn't like in those bold terms or whatnot, but he basically said that as part of their real estate development that they're trying to do in the Eelich Gardens area, a practice facility for the Avs and for the Nuggets and for the coaches, players, personnel, whatever, is in the works and that it is something that they are trying to do and that they're in the process of getting clearance for. And so I asked him kind of as a follow-up to that, okay, so this is something that could take a long time. Is this something that the current iteration of the Nuggets, the current iteration of the Avalanches is something that they're going to be able to use? And he said he believes so. And that might be bullshit. Let's be honest. Like, it it could be wrong. Or maybe it's not even his, like, uh, not even his call. And he's trying to get things done, and maybe the city's holding things up. Or maybe Stan is holding things up. Or... Whatever. I really do think that if Stan Kroenke says we should get a practice facility, then it would be done within a year or two. That hasn't happened yet, clearly, and it's not something that has been hurried up quite yet. And I would just be a little bit tentative in terms of the the deadline by which I'd say, okay, this is definitely happening. Um, but I was there. I asked the questions, and... He is definitely into the idea of the practice facility, and that, that's, that's in the works, apparently. Now, he did say something like that, that back in 2017, but I do think that this was a more solid response than back in 2017, but we'll just have to see. Finally, he talked about the Nuggets being in the title or bust position. I'm not sure fully what that means in terms of financial commitments, because if you're telling me championship or bust, then that means to me, okay, you're keeping around Tim Connolly. So I think it looks probably differently in Josh Kroenke's perspective, but what he's willing to say, and I, I asked him this outright, is that the Nuggets are willing to pay the tax. They're in a situation where they they were willing to pay the tax in previous years, he went all the way back to the Carmelo Anthony, Alan Iverson, Kenyon Martin Nuggets, and that they were in the tax well into the tax at that point. I just want to reiter- reiterate to people that that was 14 years ago, and that's not necessarily like the greatest example anymore. Yes, it was an example of them going into the tax like one or two times, don't get me wrong. But the Nuggets have played 14 years since then. So, I just, I think, look, look, there are a lot of teams that would have been more willing to go into the tax than Denver was in the last 14 years based off of their profile. Now, maybe that's not true. Maybe other teams would not be as willing. And it's, it's funny that Josh was, he, he said multiple times today that the Nuggets, they don't necessarily want to be viewed as that, that small market organization that the little boy that could basically, uh, that they, they want to be viewed as a, as a, a team with a direction, a team with a championship aspirations that is very solid and very strong. And paying the tax is part of that. Paying the tax, doing everything you can to retain your valuable players is definitely part of that. So they've uh, for for all of the like they get they get credit for re-signing Nikola Jokic, obviously, re-signing Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, all those guys. They paid them a whole bunch of freaking money. They paid them actually each the maximum amounts of money that they could, knowing that they would have to pay the tax at some point. So my ultimate question is going to be, how deep into the tax are they actually going to go? Are they going $6 million into the tax? Are they going $26 million into the tax? Because those are two different conversations, and they actually shape a lot of what the Nuggets are going to have to do this offseason. Because let's say Michael Green and Jeff Green opt into their contracts. The Nuggets then will have 10 players under contract. You add the 21st overall pick, let's just say. And let me just look at my financial document here because I, I have it pulled up. They would be $10.4 million over the tax projected. Uh, if you include the 21st overall pick as well as the player option opt-ins. That is $10.4 million over with four more contracts left to sign. So, what that means to me is that you're going to have to sign some other pieces and you've got this uh, taxpayer MLE that you can sign or that you can use. You probably can't do the full taxpayer MLE or the the full MLE because you're going to be over the tax, but that's okay because as long as you are staying in the tax and maybe maybe make some trades, maybe you. Maybe move to Michael Green or Jeff Green, one of those guys, try to get a, a wing player, try to get a true big back on the roster, still have to retain DeMarcus Cousins or Austin Rivers, some guys like that. Denver's going to have to stay active, and they're going to have to maximize every sort of resource that they can, knowing that they have a very limited shot at this, that this is probably their best opportunity over the course of these next couple years that they are ever going to have. So if they cheap out, if they like split up the MLE into multiple players, or like because it's the it's the taxpayer MLE, it's like three million per uh, for for two different guys, or you could pay one guy about six point four million and bring in let's say Gary Harris or uh, Victor Oladipo or somebody like I I don't know who it's going to be, guys, but that is the kind of move that signifies to me. Okay, so you were. Correct, and you were telling the truth about being all in. Paying the tax is one thing, going deep into the tax and maximizing every resource that you have in order to become a championship contender. That is where I sort of fall on this. That if they don't maximize their resources, then they're not doing everything that they can, which that wouldn't be great. But it's about retaining players, coaches, executives, it's about being willing to take chances. Even if you're wrong, you, you you probably should try to get it right. But you got to go out big if you're going to go out. So Denver, they've got to be willing to t- take some chances here, knowing that they are in this title or bust zone. I'm very curious to see whether Calvin Booth is up to the task, whether uh, letting go of Tim was the right call or not. It's like maybe that's maybe it is the right call, and that Calvin can just do his job, and maybe that's fine. But I am very curious to see what it is. I'm curious to see how the Nuggets handle their business over the course of this time. We're about a month out, a month away from free agency or so. We're about three weeks away from the draft, which is insane. Three weeks uh, yesterday. So going to do a lot of draft coverage on this podcast over the course of these next couple weeks. Going to do a lot of free agency coverage, trade targets, things like that over the course of these next few weeks. We'll probably do a mailbag. We'll probably mix in some stuff on Mile High Sports, making sure that I'm sharing all that content as much as I can. But either way, thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode. Really appreciate you hopping in. Uh, I will be back on Monday, probably breaking down uh, the draft, probably breaking down maybe some uh, NBA Finals coverage. We will just have to see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all of the support. As always, We'll talk to you guys next week.